welcome. Raise your inner game today. I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we are talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. So we'll start with ups and downs. What things were lifting me up this week and what things were pulling me down, making life harder. In the ups column, the big one has to be our Thanksgiving trip, just like I thought it would be. It was about as good as it gets this year. Big family, people I genuinely like to be with, great food. I mean, really great food. There's some serious cooks in this family. Watch the Vikings game, and they won. Beautiful weather. It's just perfect. And I should also say, I am truly the luckiest guy in the world to be part of this family. My family grown up was fine, but nothing like this. We're not really close, uh, not in touch that much, not a lot of connection there. That's no one's fault. It's just how it is. But Margaret's family is incredible. It's just the opposite of everything I just said. Super close, in touch a lot, tons of connection. It's just amazing. So I always know what I'm thankful for this time of year. The only slight annoyance on the trip, and this is a privilege trigger alert, uh, was having to charge the car. We've had a Tesla for about three years now. We love it. But on family road trips, charging can be kind of annoying. And I say family road trips because when we go elsewhere, we can look for a hotel or something where we can plug in. But that's not the case when we visit family. The drive itself is great. Charging along the way is Tesla's superpower, their supercharger network. But at the destination, if you can't charge where you're staying, it's not great. For example, this trip, we get to the house, everyone's there, and I have to leave right away to go charge the car. I was gone for like 45 minutes. And it gets worse when it's colder. Now, uh, full disclosure, as the introvert, it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but it would obviously be better if I didn't have to do that and we could just plug in overnight. Again, I know this is a first world problem, but that was the only stain on our otherwise perfect and lovely trip. I do want to say, too, there is a small amount of public service announcement in this. A lot of people are thinking about buying an electric car, and every time I talk to one of them, this is exactly what they want to know. What's it like to take a road trip and find charging, and how long does it take, and all that. So, yes, of course, privilege, first world problems. But this is where things are going, and it's good to know. So, the short version, trips are great, especially with a charging network. Do need to figure out destination charging. All right, that's my up for this week. For the down, I'm feeling bad for the struggle our son's having right now with all the work around college applications. It really is a lot for anyone. And the other night, he was just sort of beside himself about his essay, and it just hurt to see it. He'd worked on it for a couple hours the night before, come up with a new section he really liked, but the next day he realized it wasn't actually good, and it was just upsetting in a lot of ways. I mean, it was like, you know, it's a waste of time. I don't know, the next idea won't also be bad. How am I ever going to get this? I just can't do it. It's so hard. I just felt so bad for him, in part because I know exactly what he's going through. I have the exact same struggle with every big writing project, every song, uh, really every creative project. You have a problem, you're stuck on something, you come up with a solution, it works, it's amazing, you feel great. And then the next day, shit, it's no good. It's embarrassing. I'm an idiot. Same thing for me every time. And it is really hard, but it's just the nature of the work. So on the one hand, like I said, I was really feeling bad for him. 
the silver lining, I suppose, was that I was able to share that perspective with him, my experience, which I think was at least a little bit helpful, at least to feel, you know, understood and not so alone with it. Anyway, that was hard. And it's better now. And it'll continue to be up and down for a while to come because that's just life, right? That's how it works. So anyway, those are my ups and downs this week. Next up, the Raise Your Inner Game weather report. All right, inner game weather. How's the inner game today, inner gravity, and what does the coming week look like? So today, for me, and I guess I say this most of the time, but it's pretty good. My daily inner weather report is sort of like being a weather person in Phoenix. Sunny today, pretty nice. <laughs> that is the truth for me most of the time, thankfully, and today is no exception. Now, it does occur to me to say that it hasn't always been that way in the last few years. There was a time there where I was struggling with fatigue a lot of the time, uh, not sleeping well, like bad enough that I got a couple of sleep studies, woke up tired all the time, not in good shape, just tired and starting to feel uh, what I thought of as, you know, getting old. So it's pretty great to realize that that's not true anymore. The changes I made in the last couple of years have really made a difference. I don't feel tired like that anymore. I'm sleeping basically fine. It's sort of remarkable, really. And it's easy to not see it because it happens gradually and feeling good is not really news, right? I mean, but it is nice to reflect now and then on how much better things are. And if I may say, to also feel good about the change because I know I made it happen. It didn't happen by itself. We don't like to express personal pride like that, and I totally get it. But now and then, it's okay, at least to ourselves, to say, man, good job. Proud of you for that. Well done. You know, it's okay to do that. It really is. Anyway, today, pretty good. Looking forward, also pretty nice. The only thing sort of hanging over my head, and this is typically a pretty big stressor for me, is the holidays. I get pretty stressed out with all the planning, the shopping, all of that. There's just so much going on. And of course, this is true for everyone. But it is a high gravity period for me, for sure. So I guess that counts. I will need to pay attention as the holidays approach and make sure I'm letting, not letting the pressure turn me into the Grinch. Because <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. You know, I want my family to have as much joy as they naturally would. It would kill me to be any sort of Christmas buzzkill. So I'll keep an eye out for that. And that's my forecast. How about you? How's your inner game today? How does your upcoming week look? I hope it's good, but do think about that and we'll move on to our top stories. All right, top stories. My top story this week is the FTX meltdown and the whole crisis in crypto. And not so much because I care about that directly, though I am pretty excited about crypto and the blockchain and the new things it can do. It really is a transformational technology, at least as far as I can tell. But the real reason I'm thinking about this is because of what it says about our culture and money. We are just so messed up around money. And of course, there are many things we could talk about on this subject, but one I've been thinking about lately is that we don't have strong enough penalties for financial crimes. I get that we have serious penalties for violent crimes, but when I think about the impact it has 
on people to be conned out of their money and how important money is in our lives, I'm not sure the penalties for fraud shouldn't be more in line with those for violent crimes. And that's just from the perspective of the damage done. If someone loses their life savings, their life's ruined. I mean, they worked all their lives. It's gone. They don't have a way to get it back. It is catastrophic and irreversible. On top of that, it's the result of clear intent on the person who stole the money. It's not a crime of passion or desperation. It's not a drug addict breaking in and stealing something. It's a planned out, executed strategy designed to trick you into losing your money with zero concern about how much it will, damage it will do and how it will ruin your life. It's super evil and truly life-destroying, and I don't know why we don't take financial crimes more seriously. People talk about not feeling safe in certain neighborhoods, and I totally get it. I hate that feeling. I think it's wrong that anyone should have to feel that way. But I don't feel safe opening my email. And I'm pretty tech-savvy for an old guy. It feels like a genuine danger to simply go through my inbox. It's crazy, and it's only getting worse. So if I were king, I would take a serious look at making the penalties for financial crimes of all kinds much more in line with the damage they cause. All right, that's my top story. Next up, our quote of the week. All right, this week's quote comes from Booker T. Washington. He lived around the turn of the 20th century. He was born a slave and grew to be a major force in the early civil rights movement, and specifically in empowering African-Americans through education and entrepreneurship. And his quote is, character is power. Character is power. And I just think that is absolutely right. Character is everything, or at least it should be everything. It also connects perfectly with the financial crimes discussion we just had, because one of the biggest measures of someone's character is how they are with money. If they're fair and honest in their dealings, that's a sign of character. And a pretty strong one, too, because the temptations to not be that way can be very strong. On the other hand, if they're a cheat or a crook, they have zero character, right? I mean, seriously, zero character. They are completely untrustworthy. As far as I'm concerned, they should not be welcome in society. We can't trust them. That's one of the many things that makes Trump such a horrible person. He cheats everyone. All of his companies cheat people. He's famous for not paying contractors. Just a profoundly unethical, immoral, untrustworthy person. And the heartbreak, of course, is that none of that matters to so many people. The character truly doesn't matter. I'll never understand it. But it does matter to me, in the person I strive to be, in the people I encourage my children to be, and in the people I vote for. Character is everything. So that's why I love our quote of the week this week. Booker T. Washington, character is power. Next up, raise your outer game. All right, raise your outer game where we talk about the things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationships, our finances. And this week we will continue our focus on money. First, typical disclaimer, I'm not a money expert to say the least. I'm hoping to get a money expert on the pod in the near future, but for now, it's just me. But I think that's okay in this case because maybe the biggest factor in being smart with our money is our mental game. 
And there's a ton we could talk about here, probably. But the two main things, it seems to me, are the combination of advertising, basically, and self-regulation. So what do I mean by that? When trying to figure out how to improve a situation that's causing you trouble, there are usually two parts to it. There's the cause or the trigger, and there's your reaction to it. For example, if the problem is you're eating too much, the trigger is your appetite. You're hungry. The reaction is you grabbing a snack or some dessert. And to fix that problem, you can work on reducing your hunger, like for example, eating low calorie density foods so you feel less hungry, or you can work on your response, building up more willpower and resistance to the hunger, or of course you can work on both. But those are the two parts, the trigger and your response. So with money, a huge part of the problem is the desire to buy things. And that comes from advertising, from shows and movies, and now from social media. When we are constantly reminded of the things we don't have and told that if we get them, we'll be happier, we'll be more beautiful and admired and respected, of course we want those things, even feel that we have to have them, right? One of my favorite evil examples of this is with engagement rings. I don't know if you've heard this, but the common understanding I've heard is that the range for what you should pay for an engagement ring is roughly one month's salary up to three months' salary, which sounds insane to me. <laughs> but, you know, it's an important purchase, and that's what I've heard the range is. And, of course, it goes without saying that it's a diamond ring. But where did that come from? Who decided that was the range and that it needed to be a diamond? Guess what? It was the diamond industry. For real. They put out this big campaign, started back almost 100 years ago, that said diamonds were the true symbol of love, and here's how much you should plan to spend. And it worked. The next thing you know, the vast majority of engagement rings are diamonds, and we are spending a ridiculous amount of money on them. That feeling of needing to have certain things is a huge part of the problem we have with making good money choices. We all know what smart money choices look like, and they start with the simplest one of all, spend less than you earn, right? It really is as simple as that. But our desire for things makes that practically impossible for way too many people. And by the way, I am no different, or at least there was a long time when I was no different. My whole story in the book starts with me getting into money trouble, piling up debt. So I totally get the struggle here. The point is, when you want to tackle a problem like this, normally we focus on our own weakness. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why can't I make better choices, right? And that applies to all kinds of problems. And of course, I do think that's a good place to focus. The Raise Your Inner Game material is all about developing greater self-awareness and self-control, self-regulation. But it's also super helpful, and a lot of times more helpful, to focus on the trigger, on the source of the pull. If I'm struggling with my diet, it's a lot easier if I'm not feeling hungry in the first place. If I'm trying to get my spending under control, it's a lot easier if I can break the spell of advertising and social media. So in addition to working on boosting your willpower, it's super smart to spend some time thinking about how you get those desires in the first place. Why do you think that car is so cool? Why does that outfit seem so desirable? Why do you feel like there have to be so many presents under the tree at Christmas? Every image we have in our minds about what is expected and desirable has pretty much been planted there by someone for their own self-interest. That's just the reality. 
So to step back and remind ourselves of that can be super helpful in breaking that cycle and getting back to a place where we're living more intentionally, more in line with our values, and with more balance and satisfaction with the way things are. So I would really encourage you, when you're considering buying something other than, you know, just basic things, to take a moment and ask yourself, why do I want this? What do I think it's going to do for me, really? And why do I think that? Where did that come from? And will I feel the same six months from now? Just a little pause to get yourself out of the heat of the moment can make a real difference in making better money choices and feeling better about yourself on the whole subject of money. So that's our inner game discussion for the week, the mental game of money, one small but important aspect of it. Next up, inner game gold. All right, inner game gold. These are the ideas and concepts I come back to over and over to help me stay on track. So continuing with our money theme, this one comes from Mr. Money Mustache, <laughs> which is such a great name, but it's for real. Mr. Money Mustache. He's a real person. He gives real financial advice. And this particular piece of advice from him is one of the most helpful and memorable things I've ever heard. My whole family does this. We remember it. We talk about it all the time when we're considering new purchases. It's just genius. So here it is. The best things to spend money on, as far as getting a quality of life boost for your money and feeling good about the purchase, is when you buy things that remove an ongoing annoyance. They remove an ongoing annoyance. And this just makes such great sense. When you buy something, because it seems like it would be nice to have, it would add something to your life. Sometimes it does. Most of the time, it's not something that really makes a lasting improvement, that it ends up being sort of a waste. Great example of this, I remember from a friend of mine a long time ago. He was actually the manager of the band I was in at the time, probably 40 years ago. But he just bought himself a brand new Cadillac. And it was beautiful and impressive and a big step up for him. But he told me later that for the first three months, it was fantastic. And after that, it was just a car with a huge loan payment that he'd be stuck with for years. And he felt pretty dumb about it. That's pretty common for things that seem nice to have. Not much real improvement, buyer's remorse. But when we spend money to remove an ongoing annoyance, every time we would have had that annoyance, it's gone now. So we're feeling the improvement and the benefit every day, and we're much more likely to feel like it was a good decision, and it's actually improving our quality of life. A great example for this for us was we splurged last summer and bought an electric lawnmower. Didn't really need it. I mean, the one we had still worked fine. The new one was more expensive, but the old one was noisy and heavy and, of course, bad for the environment. Our daughter was just getting old enough to start mowing the lawn, but didn't feel quite strong enough to wrestle that one around. She was a little afraid of it. So we bought the new mower. It was my Father's Day present, and it is just incredibly better in every way. It's so much quieter and easy to use. Just the quiet is a huge benefit for me. It feels safer. Uh, I don't have to go get gas for it and spill gas in the driver when I fill it up. I can mow the lawn in the dark, which is crazy. It has a light and it's quiet enough that it doesn't bother anyone. It's so much easier. I actually started to look forward to doing it myself because it gave me a chance to get in a good walk in the evening. It really has removed a ton of annoyance 
the whole family noticed all summer long and feels like one of our best purchases. And we were able to donate the old one to the kids' school, which really needed it. So anyway, I really encourage you to remember this idea and incorporate it into your purchase decisions. You'll get the most value out of the things you buy if they remove an ongoing annoyance. It's genius. And there's a link to Mr. Money Mustache and his website in the show notes. All right, next up, our charging station challenge of the week. All right, our challenge of the week. Last week, we did a gratitude exercise every day. I hope you enjoyed that. It's such a powerful thing to do. This week, as we head into the holidays, I invite you to just reflect on kind of what we just talked about, on your thoughts about getting new things, buying things, what sort of things are especially desirable for you, and why that is. Just take a moment, think about all that, and share your thoughts in the community. I'll post a challenge there in the Charging Station community. If you're not in the community yet, click the link in the notes, register for the Mental Game Starter Kit. That gets you into the community, and you can go straight to the challenge. It's one of the first things you see there when you log in. And that's it for this week's Charging Station Challenge. Next up, highly recommended. All right, this is just things I'm crazy about right now. Books, shows, gadgets, things I love and highly recommend. So this week I want to talk about podcasts. There are three podcasts I listen to every episode and would really miss if I couldn't. They're actually important to me. Now, of course, these are personal to me. You might not be interested in them at all, but you also might love them uh, because I really do. I think they're great. The first is called Cafe Insider with Preet Bharara and Joyce Vance. Preet was the former U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York. Joyce was the U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Alabama. And they talk about current events from a legal perspective. And the reason I love this so much is that there's something about coming at an issue from the perspective of the law that takes away most of the heat and the crazy (laughs) around it. You can find some lawyers who still play that outrage game, and I'm not interested in that. But Preet and Joyce don't. They're very reasoned and clear So you get a more realistic sense of the issue, what would actually stand up in court, why things play out the way they do. So it's comforting to have a clearer perspective on things, but it's also helpful to just feel less crazy at times. There is so much bad faith noise thrown around now on every issue that you can start to sort of lose your bearings. You know, does nothing make sense anymore? Crying out loud. But listening to these two discuss things in a measured and reasonable way just feels like something I need uh, pretty much every week. (laughs) My only complaint about the show is that it's not longer. There's always more to talk about, and I wish they would. Uh, It is a paid podcast. I think it's five bucks a month, but it's an excellent value, in my opinion. Highly recommended. The other two are Pod Save America. Love those guys. Obviously, probably only uh, for Democrats. But again, I love, you know, what feels like a reasonable discussion of events and Pivot with Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway. That's about tech and business, which I'm interested in. They're both super smart, but they bring different perspectives, which helps it be even more interesting. And they just have a really fun energy between them too. So it's actually kind of a fun show. So those are my top podcasts, Cafe Insider, Pod Save America, and Pivot. Links below in the show notes and the community. 
all highly recommended. All right, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps more people find the show and get an inner game boost in their own life. Join us in the Charging Station community for even more inner game goodness. Links are in the show notes and at raiseyourinnergame.com. And finally, we will close with Steve Prefontaine, his quote from the end of the book. To give anything less than your best is to sacrifice your gift. That's what we're doing. We're working to be our best. It's the gift that keeps on giving, and the world needs as much of it as it can get. So keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time.